if we want to reach people, they're, they are just flooded with messages. They're living on social media, um, consuming video at an exponential rate, especially the younger generation. I, what I've seen cut through that are organizations that have a clear message. Like I can understand in five seconds who they are and what they do. And I know exactly how I can make an impact. I like to say there's kind of three big components, problem, solution, impact. If I can convey what problem I'm solving, how I'm solving it, and the impact a donor can make, and I can do that clearly and succinctly, I'm going to be ahead of the pack. Hey, welcome to this episode of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord. We are in the throes of season three. This now our fourth episode of the season. Uh, third, if you, depending on how you want to count the launch episode of season three with Tim Kirsten, we'll go ahead and count it. Um, better for me to count Tim's episode. So we'll say it's the fourth episode. So uh, so here we are, fourth episode. We're all the way into December and uh, hope that everyone is experiencing a wonderful, profitable uh, December with the uptick in results over previous year. Um, hey, look, just like, uh, just like most marketers, I love, I absolutely love a good catchphrase or, or tagline. That is until this the set of strung together words is kind of overused or or overplayed and and that's when I tend to have my nonconformist side come out and jump off of a catchphrase bandwagon before it hits peak jargon. But that said, there are I think there are some catchphrases that can outlive their jargon state. And for me, one of those phrases came from a 1996 essay by Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft. Um, Gates penned a piece back in 1996 called Content is King, and it was published on the Microsoft website at that time. And and I just wanted to read for you at the intro of, of this episode a sample of Gates's entry. Content is where I expect much of the real money will be made on the internet, just as it is with broadcasting. And then Gates went on to say, those who succeed will propel the internet forward as a marketplace of ideas, experiences, and products, a marketplace of content. You you know, you can still find the entire essay online and, and it's worth your time, believe me, to check out the content is king essay from 1996 of Bill Gates and content was then still is king and content marketing is particularly interesting space for nonprofits to grow as you'll hear from my guest on this episode of group thinkers. Uh, Rod Arnold is the CMO and the head of development for souls for souls, which is a, a relief and development organization that's working around the globe got an anti-poverty mission and are doing some tremendous good. Uh, Rod's been a consultant and he's also been on the nonprofit side, as you'll hear through uh, the episode. He's developed content marketing programs for multiple organizations. And on this episode, we're going to get into the pillars of good content, things like concrete ideas, uh, simplification, avoiding self-talk, 
And uh, it's really good stuff. I, I really enjoyed my chat with Rod. I hope you do as well. Last thing before we get into the episode, love to have you connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Group Thinkers on both. And uh, in between uh, Tuesdays, when we're publishing our season three content, you can see us uh, continuing the conversation about what uh, our guests shared that week. So drop us a line on Twitter or on Instagram. And uh, for now, Enjoy the chat with Rod Arnold. Thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. I'm excited to talk to the, um, I'm going to say the multidimensional Rod Arnold. I don't know if you've ever been introduced that way, Rod. That's a new one. I like it though. I'll take it. Uh, but uh, but multidimensional, and, and here's why. Um, Rod is the, the CMO and the head of development for Souls for Souls, which is a a wonderful organization, and as a sneaker aficionado, it, it speaks to um, my head and my heart. Um, but he's also a consultant with the group Leading Good. He's had quite the interesting journey. So, Rod, thanks for joining, and, and welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, we're, I want to talk about all of these dimensions of Rod today, like all of your uh, your steps along the way and, and your path and and some of the learnings that, that you've taken away, because I think it helps set up your perspective on things now and, and nonprofits and what some areas where maybe there's area for improvement or, or new areas of growth on the marketing side. Um, at the outset, you know, just a level set for the audience, I would love for you to share your background and your journey so that they get a feel for your path that's taken you to this place at Souls for Souls. Well, um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't, uh, you know, have this on my, um, what, what I'm going to be like in 20 or 30 years when I was in high school, this was not part of my plan. <laughs> uh, I graduated and went to college and got a degree in, in pre-med and I was headed to medical school and my wife and I decided to take a year off and do mission work down in South America. And during that time, just just decided it was, we ended up staying for two years and just really decided like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to, I want to be involved in, with, uh, you know, nonprofit work with, with, uh, ministry work, with doing work that makes a difference in the world. And, uh, I just decided to kind of see where that path led. And so, um, kind of came back, but then I, I spent about 10 years with a, with a nonprofit that focused on young people. Um, and then did a, a couple other things and then ended up um, being the COO of Charity Water um, in 2009 through 2011. And that was kind of a real game changer for me because um, most of most people know about Charity Water as being, especially during that time, really coming on the scene as a as a leader um, in terms of being a nonprofit brand, I would say, and also a social media and digital leader. And so it was quite a wild ride and, a, and it was tremendously valuable um, to me um, in that role, learned a lot from it um, and led me down the path for the last, you know, since that time for the last 10 years of uh, really focusing specifically on marketing, fundraising, and, and more importantly on brand and message and how we bring that to life in different ways strategically. So that's um, after leaving um, Charity Water, started leading good shortly thereafter and um, focused on that specifically on how do we help nonprofits grow 
uh, crystallize their message, get it, so make it um, clearer so people respond, put a strategy in place that works, and um, and then somehow uh, you know got connected with Souls for Souls, and uh, it started with a getting to know the founder or not the founder but the CEO, uh, Buddy Teaster. And led to an engagement on a consulting basis with Souls for Souls, which then led to, hey, why don't you uh, join us here? And they're here in Nashville, where I am. And it's been a great, great relationship. Just about a year ago, joined the team here. It's a, it is a fun ride uh, that you've been on, kind of this weaving in and out of the client side and the consultant yes. side. And it really does. Uh, it, it reflects back to you know, that calling that you felt whenever you were um, on the mission trip, you know, uh, that that staying connected in that space, regardless of whether or not you're on the client side or the, the, uh, the consultant side of being able to help uh, improve a little slice of the world, right? That's what's so cool yeah. about working in this space is being able to reflect and do that. Um, and and you're right. It it is not indicative of a pre med <laughs> no approach coming out of school or going. You know, I, I I think the thing that's interesting to me about it is I got if I'm just really being transparent. Like I love the fact that we get to help people and make and and, and change lives. And um, but that's an easy thing to say because that sounds really good. But I also love the challenge of building. Um, you know, what does it take to raise money? What does it take to get people engaged? I love the business side of it. And I love that, that I can apply that business. It's fun to hit goals and grow and build a team. And I love all that. But it's it's amazing that we get to do that and apply that towards something that makes people's lives better. So yeah. I, I think it's just the perfect combination. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to dig in just for a moment on your time uh, at, at Cherry Water, because you, you were there at a super interesting moment in which that brand was starting to really explode. I mean, the you know have a uh, a rocket ship attached to it in terms of what a, a nonprofit brand looked like, a new dimension of a nonprofit brand. And um, so, you know, I'm curious as you reflect on as you reflect now on your time then, what were some of the experiences that hung with you? Uh, some of the the challenges that you saw the team face at, at Charity Water that were unexpected or that maybe from outside of the fishbowl, people would not expect uh, challenges that, that you faced at that time. And, and how have those experiences uh, helped change the way that you approached your work now with Souls for Souls or even on the consulting side with Leading Good? Yeah, I think, um, I think the, the, what stands out to me is I, when I first joined, it was, I think it was more like a startup, you know, like a tech startup than it was a nonprofit. I mean, it was this group of about a dozen, mostly 20 something year olds. I was the old guy at 40, whatever. Uh, and, um, and, you know, and as Scott likes to say, I was the first adult that he hired, but, <laughs> but I think the, uh, um, our first grown up, but I think that the, you know, it was just so much energy and and so much passion, and um, right in the heart of New York City, mm-hmm. and just um, really, you know, running and gunning as fast as we could, and keeping up with the growth. And I think the thing that people, if you've read Scott's book, for those mm-hmm. of you that have Scott Harrison's book, you know, 
it was he had a little bit of an advantage over most nonprofit founders and the fact that he had such a great network to start with, you know, um, being in the the um, entertainment and nightclub industry in New York right. is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, but that being said, had just uh, the thing I got from Scott and at the time, you know, he was pretty young. He was just in his in his 30s and, and really kind of getting going is I just saw someone who would never take no for an answer. Hmm. And that translated down to all the staff. And so when we did, looking back, you know, I think we did things that we shouldn't have been able to do. Like, you know, um, almost kind of pulled things off that doesn't make any sense, that don't make any sense. You know, um, one, a couple of things come to mind. We built a fundraising platform, which now there's there's peer-to-peer platforms all over the place. And you can, you know, you can sign up and be a part, of, you know, subscribe to them. But at the time, we were getting all these people who wanted to donate their birthdays and started with Scott donating his birthday. And I think that was really the first time I'd heard of something like that. It might've be the first sort of how that kind of got going, but um, we were doing individual, we were creating individual web pages for everybody that wanted to do that. So it was like very intensive, very time intensive. And we had to have designers and coders and all, you know, trying to get these individual web pages put up and then, how do we connect donation buttons to them and all this kind of stuff? Right. So it was so we decided let's build a platform. So we built um, at the time was my, you know, I think it's still called that, but my charity water, which be, you know became kind of an example for now, which the, the all the different fundraising platforms out there. So yeah, um, that was pretty cool. And that you know we basically did that with one developer, and um, just every day sitting down and coding and coding. I mean, it was kind of from scratch and. And launching that was a huge, huge deal and very, very fun to be a part of. Yeah. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is we launched a new way. You know, Scott had a, he had a vision for in reinventing charity. And if you ask him, the purpose of Charity Water was not necessarily to get people clean water. That was the mission. But the purpose was really to reinvent what charity meant to a new generation. It's a big, you know, and that's a big it's a big undertaking. And part of the way to do that was this hundred percent model where you had, you could have the, he, he felt that there were people, you know, a lot of people in his generation younger who just had no trust in charities anymore. They didn't know where their money was going and whether it was being put to good use. So he wanted to make no mistake about it and say hundred percent of your dollars are going to go. We'll figure out how to fund the organization, the admin overhead, some other way. So that part of it was not as easy as people, I don't know how people think about that, but that was not easy to do. So the fact that we were able to do that and they've been able to, they've been able to maintain that right, and really build an incredible group of sort of private donors who support that side and, and know that they're giving completely hundred percent toward overhead. It's right. pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal. So, Man, those are two fascinating examples and experiences to to have been a part of that incubating spirit and moment that um, certainly have got to, you know, obviously they hang with you, but um, I'm curious how, you know, things like that uh, translate to your time today. And um, even the idea that, and I jotted down the, you know, the never take no for an answer. Uh, Is that something that's hung with you? Is that something that you try to pass on to teams now? I mean, my goodness, if, if those that, uh, that are listening, that, 
that should be the mantra for anyone who's asking for a donation in some way is, you know, find a way to connect to people in the mission. What is that a lesson that you've taken? Forward? Yeah. It, I, I tell you what, it, it has had a, a huge impact on my, my approach to things. It's, mm-hmm. it's not only pulling off projects that seem impossible because you can do that, but if you do that all the time, you could really wear people out too. Right. So, um, it's not so much about that as it is an attitude, like you said. And, and it's things like, you know, I remember seeing Scott um, and working with Scott to ask people to give. And, and we started a program called The Well, which really was the major donor um, program and sort of giving club that people joined to support the overhead side of the organization, the non-program side. Um, and just the idea that you're lucky to be a part of this thing. Like, you, you know, you know, that idea, like you, this is a tremendous opportunity for you, the donor. Um, and having that, that mentality, I think really has paid off for me and my team as we've done other things going forward is it's not, we don't need to be afraid to ask. We don't need to be afraid to, to, um, you know, ask people to, to give and support because they're getting something real tangible out of it. And I'm not talking about benefits and a free t-shirt. I'm talking about they're able to be a part of something that is so much more meaningful than their new car or not. A lot of people need a new car. I'm talking about like something extravagant that they, sure. that they might not need. Right. So yes. it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for the donor. Yeah. And if we change that little, you know, turn that little dial in our head just a little bit and have a different approach to how we, ask people to give and invite people to give mm-hmm. can make all the difference in the world. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the things that is definitely carried over with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's really well said. Um, and maybe uh, a super pertinent statement and idea for the time that we find ourselves in. This episode of group thinkers is brought to you by the RKD group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now. And if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're going to find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel, and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look-back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now, back to group thinkers. Um, you know, the the space, even since your time at Charity Water, has evolved drastically. And we're at this really, I don't know, odd moment, um, unique moment, touchstone moment in the nonprofit space uh, with the rise of tools like Facebook fundraising. Right. And uh, how millennials and Gen Z are finding and inventing new ways to fundraise like live stream fundraising uh, or nonprofits accepting Venmo. Like you've got these new tools, new ways and and a younger generation that is finding a way to fill a hole in their hearts with purpose and and drive of helping push missions forward. Um, And then you also have this incredible transference of wealth from the silent generation, et cetera through plan giving. But then you're, you combat that with the fact that we, we have seen 
declining acquisition and declining retention and costs continue to rise. And so the business side is um, spinning a little bit on how to balance the uh, maybe some of the organic bubbling up of how the con- our consumers, how our donors are are communicating to us. Um, so it's it's really it's this peculiar space that we live in. What what's your take on it? What what's your take on the state of the space and and the moment that we find ourselves in? Uh, not to you know throw in all like data privacy concerns that are coming down the pike. How do you balance all these things as someone who's driving a brand forward for um, a nonprofit? Hmm. Well, that's it. That's a bit, very big question. Uh, <laughs> lot, lots of different, you know, spokes coming off of that, that hub. Um, but I would say this, um, I think, so if I summarize what you just said, there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of growth and expansion in our space, right? There's, um, I don't know the latest numbers, but I know it's, hundreds of thousands of new nonprofits being registered, you know, every year, there's millions of nonprofits. And that's a, it's just a lot. Everybody who has a dream now wants to start a nonprofit. So there's lots of startups and small. Um, and with that comes a crowded space. Um, not only that, but you've got brands now realizing the importance of social good, social benefit. So they're sort of creeping into that space. Um, you got people who give directly to other people through things like GoFundMe. It doesn't have a nonprofit in the middle of it. It's basically just someone has a need. I'm going to give to them or they're going to raise money. So there's the whole idea of giving and making an impact has changed. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, you know, it's no longer a lot of the rules. I mean, some of the things still apply, obviously, but a lot of the rules have just have changed dramatically where we can't expect people to behave a certain way or, you know, I'm not going to just build a rena email or a, a direct mail list. And here's my, here's what my, you know, five year, um, you know, payback looks like it's, mm-hmm. I have to be a lot more, a lot more, com- um, you know, sophisticated than that. However, I'm going to boil it down to this. I think that the, the single most important thing in my, um, my experience and, um, what I see happening now is, he who or she who um, connects and clarifies the most will win. So not that it's all a big competition, but we, if we want to reach people, they're, they are just flooded with messages. They're living on social media, um, consuming video at an exponential rate, especially the younger generation. I, what I've seen cut through that are organizations that have a clear message. Like I can understand in five seconds who they are, what they do. And I know exactly how I can make an impact. I like to say there's kind of three big components, problem, solution, impact. If I can, if I can convey what problem I'm solving, how I'm solving it and the impact a donor can make, and I can do that clearly and succinctly, I'm going to be ahead of the pack because Mm -hmm. there's so many organizations that talk about everything they're doing. Or they talk about, you know, they have so many words to say. And I just want to simplify, simplify, simplify. So I think that's, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about different strategies. Um, to me, that's the fundamental strategy. The fundamental strategy is have a clear, concise, compelling message that cuts through the noise. And then we could talk about how to get it out. 
you know, whether that's through social, whether that's through paid media, whether that's through influencers, whatever it is, there's lots of different strategies. But to be honest, um, it doesn't matter if you're the biggest or the smallest. I mean, there, there's multi, you know, hundred, five hundred million dollar organizations that I think could be d- twice there, doing twice as much if they would be a little more clear on what they do and who they're helping and how I can get involved. So I, I think that's a that's where I, my mind goes to. Yeah, um, you're you're speaking directly into some research that we performed with. Um, a group McQueen Mac and Associates about a year ago. Uh, it's, uh, we're we're coming up on the one year anniversary. After all the um, the challenges of the December 2018 online giving area, right where flat was um, the norm and many people were down compared to what they were expecting, and we did some primary research and asked people what they thought, and of those that chose not to give which was about 20% of those who had given in December or given the previous year. Uh, The top reason was a lack of connection, right? And so when you have a rise in competition of 1.6 million nonprofits total now and growing, uh, your ability to, or your necessity to connect has to be your priority, right? You, You have to have a clear message. If you don't have a clear message, and if you spend too much time talking about yourself, as opposed to that yeah. offer and that solution of that solution being the donor, then you're going to lose out to the next thing they see in their feed or in their mailbox, their inbox or wherever they're, they're picking up their marketing messaging. Yeah. And you said it, the, the message, by the way, clear message is not how great you are as a nonprofit. Like that's not, that's right. not the message people are looking for. Right. I th- with the message, who and that's all I like to ask people: like, who's the hero of your story? It's not you. It's not you. It's it's most likely the people that you're helping, right? That's that's ninety percent of the time or more. What's their story? How do you communicate that clearly in a in an emotional, compelling way? Show that transformation that you're helping that they can be a part of as a donor. Um, the other op, the other way to do it is to talk about the donor, how great they are, and how they can make a difference. But I think. It's definitely not us as nonprofit organizations showing our people, you know, doing great work. To me, that is not the story. And people, it's like if you go to a party and just talk about yourself the whole time, who's going to sit there and listen to you? You know, get, you know, talking about someone else or asking questions from someone else is a much stronger uh, message to have. Much stronger. And definitely, I love how you put it, connects and clarifies. And that speaks into some of the work that you shared with me that uh, that you've done on the leading good side of helping nonprofits understand their their story, understand yeah. their why, understand how to communicate that, uh, and and so you know um, the I would love to know some of the commonalities that you see of of people that do that well beyond just the connects and clarifies. Uh, what are some of the the common realizations that you've seen people come to or? How has it changed their strategic planning process along those lines? Yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of alluded, uh, alluded to this a second ago, but I think the, the idea that a good strategy, a good fundraising strategy begins with a clear message is an important piece. And I don't want to lose sight of that. I've said that. I'm not going to beat that, keep beating that horse. But mm-hmm. I do think that's an important piece because um, – having the right story 
that you're telling and have in, in doing that consistently. I like to think of marketing as an exercise in memorization. If we, if we know what our story is, and, and typically it's, like I said, it's not about us, but it's the story that we're telling. If we know what that is and we say it over and over and over and over again through video, through email, through photos, through our website, through our social, through whatever we're doing, um, and we do it in kind of a little bit different ways, but we don't have to reinvent it every time. We tell that same story over and over again and not 10 different stories. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, I, there's a lot of nonprofits wasting a lot of money on sending mail and paying for email or, or at least wasting opportunity, um, paying people to do things that is wasting, you know, is not being productive because they're just not telling a consistent, clear story. Um, when you get that down and you find the right words to use to do that and make it clear and people get it, then I think that transforms how you think about strategy because then I can say, okay, what are some ways for me to, then you're no longer just throwing stuff at the wall. Um, so many times I, I, you know, see nonprofits are like, we're going to do this, you know, text to give thing or whatever. It's fine. But the, the strategy itself is less important than what are you doing to get people who want to make sure they want to do that? Yeah. Like what is, how are you getting to that point? Right. Yeah. Don't, ju- don't jump to the tactic or the technology driving the strategy. Right. 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 You know, and, yeah. and certainly, as you said, um, let's not be schizophrenic. Let's, let's make sure that in, across whatever means we're using, this is just vehicles to get that story out. Yeah. Um, but let's figure out who we are and then, find the right ways to tell it. Um, so, okay. So in uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you published an article on LinkedIn. I think it was 2017. You published an article on LinkedIn about content marketing and inbound marketing and how that particular marketing uh, practice was um, a key strategy for nonprofit growth. And uh, I'll tell you it, it came across my feed recently and that's what prompted, you know, us talking and, and getting us to where we are today. And I was really taken aback by it because um, I'm a huge believer in content marketing. It's a, it's a part of our suite of marketing strategies that we use as a firm on ourselves. Right. But, but I, I gotta tell you, I don't know many nonprofits that deploy content marketing as uh, a practice. And so uh, I would love for you to share your perspective on content marketing and inbound marketing as a um, as a, a marketing device, marketing channel for nonprofits. Uh, why you think it's so hard for nonprofits to to get there, and and then who might be doing it well? Yeah. Well, maybe I should start by just kind of a real quick definition of what I mean by content marketing. Yes. So, um, the idea, and it's not a new, not a brand new one, but I think it's new to a lot of nonprofits is, um, you know, we we're very nonprofits. I would say, you know, traditionally nonprofit marketing, nonprofit fundraising is all about direct marketing. It's about asking people to give, getting in front of them, making an ask, sending them a letter, asking them to give, sending an email, asking them to give. And that's fine. And there's definitely a place for that. And we have to ask. Right. Um, but how do you, get people interested? How do you find people who may be not aware of you, but tangentially, you know, connected to you somehow, but if they just 
you know, there might be a way to connect with those folks and pull them in. And, and so mm-hmm. we use content, interesting content um, that they want to read, they want to consume or view, whatever that is. So um, using content, a story, and not necessarily a story about how great you are again, right? Not necessarily a story about your work. Something could be separate. So for example, um, one of the organizations um, that we worked with, worked with Native American, the Native American population. And there's a whole bunch of issues. This was during the Standing Rock. Remember that whole uh, showdown yes. and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, there's a whole bunch of content that we, can, that we could create around these different issues and the people were consuming that kind of content anyway. And um, then we could use that as a way to connect with people and then offer them something, something free. This is kind of typically how it works. So we, we create content that is interesting and not just about the work that we're doing, but interesting and tangentially connected to our work and then offer them something that they would find valuable. So typically that's like a downloadable PDF or it could be a, a, you know, a cheat sheet or a, you know, one of whatever ebook. We worked with an organization in New York called God's love. We deliver. And what they do is they provide meals for people who are too sick to shop or cook for themselves. Hmm. And so they send out every day, just these medically tailored meals to people who are seriously ill. And so you know, for them, it's like a, a downloadable um, guide to healthy foods when you're when you're sick. It's something like that, something that you can t- you can use for yourself. Some valuable content in the process. We get their email address, and then we begin. We put them on uh, this whole thing. I, I like to call it acquisition engine. So it's a great way to acquire new donors, where you build this, where it can almost you use social to promote it. Um, you use digital advertising to promote it. Potentially you get their email address through this, this thing that they've requested. And then they're put into a customized automated email, um, workflow where mm-hmm. they're getting educated on your organization and, and inspired by it. Not necessarily like, Hey, please give right away, but take some, take some time to give them some valuable content, tell them a story, show them an interesting video. And then eventually, you know, asking them to give. So that's a really quick synopsis of it. And I think the, is that, is that yeah, that no, I'm, I'm trying with you. I'm thinking through all the yeah. different pieces of content that we put out and the landing pages, yeah. the, the workflows behind it. Yes. yes. Everything so, that you said. So, I mean, I think it's thinking creatively. I think that's the issue here. It's not, it's, there's two reasons. There's a couple of reasons why it, more nonprofits don't do it. One, it's not the traditional way to work in nonprofit space. Right. It's not direct and a direct appeal where you're renting lists and things like that. Um, it's a little, it's more organic and it requires a lot of work to set up. I mean, you're, you're not just setting up a donation page. You're setting up, um, you got to create some content. You got to create mm-hmm. this free thing. You have to set up a landing page and set up these email workflows. And that takes some work. But once you set it up, it's a powerful engine that can be scaled almost infinitely. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to like, you know, give my secrets away, but you, you saw an article that I wrote two years ago. I fell in your trap. That was part of my trap. That was actually, <laughs> that was the whole point of that. That was the whole point of that. Uh, I was fishing in that pond and, uh, my, and my lure was still out there two years later and yeah. you, you found it. So, I mean, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, Ron, I think that, it, I think that you're right. And, and, you know, um, email acquisition was the way that it, that, you know, a version of this was referred to for a long time, but, but, you know, many folks would then try to uh, take traditional offline approaches to building that, that database or that list. And then, you know, get frustrated by the lack of conversion or, they might try something in that vein and be able to easily acquire someone because they have a, an offer that is attractive, but then they they don't either have the right messaging in their workflow to convert them afterwards, or the offer didn't ultimately set up the mission to succeed in terms of converting them. So there's, there's a, a lot, lot of frustration because of maybe yeah. a lack of testing on figuring yeah. out the right way to go about this lead generation into converting into uh, donors. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of work to be done on the front end. Yeah. Um, and, and not just there's work, but there's a lot of thinking and strategy to be done on the front end. So it doesn't have to be, I don't want to make it sound overly hard, but you can't just throw something out there and, and think it's going to work. I mean, you have to right. think through the whole journey and what's the right content that uh, and then you can test different kinds of content you can test test with different audiences that's the beauty right of social now and digital right. marketing you can exactly. test for 50 bucks you can learn a lot yeah. about what what your audience is responding to and not responding to um but then but then is the you're right like what is the hook like what's the free thing that we give them mm -hmm. or the gate the gated content that we that we want to um, show them is that compelling and then does it lead them down a path kind of without having to jump through too many hoops uh, or to like change direction too many times where it makes sense for, based on their behavior and their interests that they would be interested in what you have to offer? Because it doesn't do any good to go get a whole bunch of people that are just names that may never want to give because they really don't connect with your, exactly. your work. Right. right. I was having a conversation about this just recently with uh, our director of marketing uh, in, in, you know, one of our campaigns that we were running where um, she and I were debating, okay, well, we could probably bring in, if we use a general offer, we could probably get a higher volume of, a higher response, a higher volume of people coming into that trap. Uh, and her point was, yeah, yeah, but if we get more specific on this offer, if we just talk about this one thing, we're going to have someone that's better primed too. And I was like, no, because really I want, what I want to see is the higher response. So I was getting fixated on, you know, uh, a vanity number and a vanity metric. And um, so she said, okay, well, let's test it and see. And sure enough, you know, as many times she was right. Uh, and that the specificity of the offer, right, of, of being able to really capture succinctly where you can be a content authority, and then turning that content authority and that free thing into why it's good to take that next step in the relationship. That's going to win out. So establishing that you're a content authority, you're right. It's not hard, but it does take critical thinking on, well, what am I authority on? And how yep. can I package something that we probably already have around our nonprofit office yeah. into something that I can give people for free that connects them further down the line in a relationship with us? Yeah. And I think, you can learn, you can learn pretty quick how that works. You know I mean? I had, I'll give you a personal example. I did an article uh, a few years back. Um, I don't know if you remember with a Pepsi ad they did that just fell flat because it, it felt really contrived. I think it was 
It's one of the Kardashians. Kardashian. I think it was, yes. I think, yes. maybe it was Kendall, Kendall Jenner or something. Yes. Um, and they got a lot of backlash from it. And so I wrote an article about that and um, how they had missed it and, you know, what they could have done differently. And I was thinking, man, and, and to be honest, it got a, a huge amount of traction. I had a whole bunch of people read it. And I had some people that responded to the offer, but the I had a hard time connecting that article to my offer mm. because it wasn't really my audience. I mean, some of the nonprofits, nonprofit leaders that I was trying to reach cared about it, but it was a much broader audience. It was mm -hmm. consumers, it was millennials, it was people who who liked Kindle Jenner. It was, I mean, it was all the it was brand people, and it was great. It was great to get that much traction, but it, it was it didn't really pay off. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so I, yeah. So I think that there's, um, you know, we, we can't just go for the eyeballs. We can't just go for the leads, although I like having leads. But if you think about it, you could have a database of, you know, a million emails and you're going to pay a lot every month and every year for your enterprise email platform. Uh, so email is not free either. Um, but you ideally, you'd have the right people in there that are going to be giving, right? Right, right. So, yeah, that's yeah. good stuff, man. It really is. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what's next for, for you and the team at souls for souls. Like, uh, what's, what's coming down the pike with, uh, with your work there. And then, uh, just as we wrap, what, where can people find you online? Yeah, well, I'm very excited. Um, ever since I joined souls for souls, I don't know when's this going to air, uh, Justin, probably in three weeks, probably about three to four weeks. Okay. Okay, good. So I'll back up a sec. Um, so, you know, I, I, ever since I joined souls for souls, uh, about a year ago, um, it has been, um, I, I just love what this organization's about and love working with them, but see a lot of potential. And so we're, we're very soon, you'll be seeing a new brand come out. Um, we're rebranding. We are going to be, um, kind of refining our message, refining our look and feel and new website and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited about that. And some big new initiatives um, that I think are going to be um, garnering some attention. So very excited about that. But um, yeah, I most of all, I'm just I love working with um, with Souls for Souls. I still get to work with some other nonprofits um, and help them refine their message. And I love doing that. That's kind of where my sweet spot is sort of landed is helping them really think about how they talk about themselves and mm -hmm. talk about their work and connect with people. And so that's a big, big passion of mine. Um, the easiest way to find me is go to leadinggood.com. You can reach me through there. Um, and, um, and I'd love to uh, hear from anybody who has any questions. Rod, here's what I absolutely love about your, your story and, and how I'm going to draw it back to what you said in the beginning is that I feel like in some way you didn't get too far from the medical space anyway. Uh, our head of advanced analytics, uh, many times I've heard him say that as someone on the consulting side or on the agency side, um, it's, it's his job to find the pain and then prescribe how to fix it. And I think that that's a testament to the, the work that you're doing, both Souls for Souls and the stuff that you're doing with Leading Good. So uh, congratulations. You are kind of a doctor. In some <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, man, I really, I appreciate the chance to connect with you and, and talk through the stuff and um, love seeing what, what's happening with Souls for Souls. And uh, we'll definitely keep an eye out for the new look and brand and 
a way that you're communicating your story. And we won't judge you for it, right? Because we know now the methodology a little bit that you take to, uh, to put it together. You know, the thing I would say, if you go to my site, for example, you'll see like there's, there's a lead magnet on there, you know? Uh, so I, that, I'm not going to hide that. But, but <laughs> the key is that you want it to be valuable. And I yes. hope that you really do find, I think there is a lot of value there. And I think that's the key is even if you never uh, contact me or anything like that, I think you could find some value and there's a whole bunch of articles and videos on there too. So feel free to dig in. Very cool. Rod, appreciate it, man. Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Justin. So there you go. That's Rod Arnold. And, and I have to say, one of the things that I love the most about my time in this interview with Rod is him sharing the lessons that he learned from his stint as the chief operating officer at Charity Water. Um, you know, sometimes whenever you're on a, um, a rocket ship, when you're in uh, a period of tremendous growth and being propelled forward, it's hard to step back and reflect on what you're learning at the time. And uh, I love that Rod has not only done that now about his time at Charity Water, but that he's also applied those lessons to transform other organizations. He's doing so even now with Souls for Souls. So uh, kudos to him for being reflective and then applying those learnings. Last thing, uh, as always, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Group Thinkers. And uh, yeah, tune in next week. We've got another innovator a uh, different chat and uh, we'll be sharing with you someone else that's making a difference in the nonprofit marketing industry. So we'll see you then. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests. What's the marketing efforts behind group thinkers, Suzanne, Ronnie and others for their work on this and every episode of group thinkers.